It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It was a big weekend on the recruiting trail for the Oklahoma Sooners. A commitment, a lot of projections on Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And all of our recruiting segments and episodes here on the Lockdown Network is brought to you by LinkedIn. So, Josh, a big recruiting weekend. It's that time of the year where Oklahoma's hosting junior days. They're hosting multiple classes for visits. And we're starting to see projections rolling out. But we got a surprise commitment on Sunday from Ryan Foje a offensive tackle prospect out of Texas, currently a three-star prospect over at 247 Sports and on three, but it gives Oklahoma their 10th commitment of the cycle, their second offensive line prospect committed to the class. And I think this guy has a chance to be one of those risers as the next year goes along. I think so too. I I won't claim to just be this uh, offensive guard or offensive tackler really offensive line in general, center whiz, toss it on tape, and I've got all the answers for you. But uh, he just watching the little tape that I've watched, looks like he he moves pretty well, seems to be pretty athletic for uh, what will be an offensive tackle. I would imagine for Oklahoma, six foot five, 290, he'll continue to uh, add weight, but he moves well outside. Uh, obviously is powerful and will become more powerful as this goes along. So I would venture to guess that before this cycle is over, yes, you say, hey, he's going to be a riser. Well, if he's a three-star kid right now, he will not finish as a three-star. I think he will be a blue-chip talent, probably consensus type uh, blue-chip talent based on what I'm watching. I mean, he just prototypically looks like that. I think he moves well enough. And uh, if he gets stronger between now and when this class finalizes, that's going to help him. And, And really, John... He is sort of just, I think, appearing on a lot of recruiting evaluators' radars, sort of thanks to the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, so Rivals hasn't evaluated him yet. ESPN hasn't evaluated him yet. It's just 247 Sports and On3 who have ratings in on the kid. A top 30 offensive tackle prospect in the class. Didn't receive his first offer until August 26th of last year. He camped with the Oklahoma Sooners. Two months later, that first offer comes from the Oklahoma Sooners. So he he made a big impression on Coach Biedenboe, Brent Venables, the offensive staff, and that's translated into this commitment. But, I mean, he's got offers from big-time programs, Texas A&M, Texas, Oregon, USC, Tennessee, Missouri, Nebraska. Like, these are all programs that were going after this kid later in the game than Oklahoma. But 
what he mentioned with Bill Beatenbow, he's the best in the business. And that's proving out to be pretty true, especially with the development aspect of this. I mean, is he a, you know, right now ready to go first day starter along the offensive line? It's hard to find those at the high school level, but he's a kid with really, really good traits. You mentioned the size, the six foot five. I mean, he looks like an NFL offensive tackle frame. You know, you could easily add 30, 40 more pounds to his frame, and he's going to be able to carry it and carry it well. If you can get him to 320, 325, 330, I don't think it's going to slow him down one bit. He's a fluid athlete. He moves well. He's not clunky when he gets into space, and he's strong. You talked about the strength. I mean, right now, for what he needs at the high school level, he's plenty strong. He latches onto his opponent, and he doesn't let go until he drives them into the grass or he's laying on top of them or drives them out of bounds. This kid is a, a people mover. And I love the way that he continues to drive his feet well after the ball is beyond his blocking you know, necessity. I think one of the things that was a common complaint of ours at times during the 2023 season is like guy blocked for a little bit and then he kind of just stopped blocking and he would just kind of stand around and watch. This dude doesn't stand around and watch anything. He just continues to drive and drive and drive and drive and block his tail off. So I think he's going to be a fan favorite. And I made the I made the comment like he's got the tools at the high school level right now that if he continues to develop and he adds the weight, I mean, he's looking like he could be a top 100 pick. And so when you talk about the blue chip status, what I see on tape is a kid that has the type of talent that could project to the NFL level. And if he gets in with Coach Beatenbow, who we know can develop, and he gets in with Jerry Schmidt, who we know will make him Schmitty build. The writing's on the wall. The kid's going to have the ability to be a very, very impactful player at the collegiate level. Again, a little bit of a late riser. He didn't come onto the scene very quickly. A lot of the, maybe those 2025 prospects might have already had a bunch of offers out there. At times, he didn't get his first offer until last August. So it's, it's understandable why he might only be considered a three-star right now but I don't think that that three-star label lasts for, for very long. And even if it does, who cares? The dude's got the traits to be a very, very good college offensive lineman. And I think he could go on to the NFL with what he's showing on huddle right now. Yeah. He's, he's got the chance to develop into that. I mean, obviously he had a legitimate interest in Oklahoma early before they ever offered him because you don't go camp at a school uh, just because, right? I, I know that, uh, especially when they haven't offered you. And so he, he, Ryan Foje came out of his way to camp at Oklahoma and then obviously he gets the offer and it's sort of snowballed downhill from there. So I like that part of it that, you know, it feels like probably here's somebody that kind of has known what they wanted, which is Oklahoma for, for a good while, or at least early on had a, had a thought, yeah, I could see myself playing for Coach uh, Biedenboe and playing for Oklahoma. And you mentioned some of these names, obviously, earlier, John, but just the the Big Ten SEC offers not named Oklahoma for Foje, Arkansas. You've got Maryland, Missouri, Nebraska, Oregon, Purdue, uh, Tennessee, Texas, A&M, and USC on that list. So those are all offers not named Oklahoma out of the Big Ten and SEC. And we always say, follow the offers train. That's a good indicator. I just think, uh, based on what I've seen, which again, is uh, limited to the huddle tape, 
to me, he looks like he's going to finish as a blue chip talent in this class. And so you think about Foje in this class and obviously Owen Hollenbeck in this class uh, already for OU. And uh, after a 2024 signing class that it ended up pretty good, I think, up front along the offensive line. But we spent a, a good duration of it talking about, is this a problem for Oklahoma that it's been slow starting? And do they have to get Grant Bricks in this class? Do they have to get Eddie Pierre-Louis in this class to feel good about it? Well, they got Eddie Pierre-Louis, right, in the class, but it took a long time. Uh, you, you got others in the class late last year, but it took a while to get there. But they're off to a quicker start here with Hollenbeck and uh, obviously the commitment here from Foje, who I think is going to be a big-time talent for Oklahoma. Yeah, and they're not at all done. Like This is just getting started along the offensive line. I think they're going to try to go back-to-back with big offensive line classes as they continue to to build the depth and, and restore kind of what they had uh, prior to you know Lincoln Riley leaving, some of those prospects not really working out, and and really move forward with a much more physical, a, a deeper offensive line room as they get ready to go into the SEC. More recruiting news. Five-star defender trending Oklahoma's direction. Let's discuss next here on Locked On Sooners. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find, well, what do you want to find? You want to find quality professionals that are the right hire for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs, they've got the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you just can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive hiring. It's easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero turn mowers, and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Again, all of our segments here on the Lockdown Network are brought to you by LinkedIn. Whenever we're talking recruiting, it's brought to you by LinkedIn. Jonah Williams is a five-star defender. I say defender because some people think he's a linebacker. Other people think he's a safety. Hmm. Interesting. What position on the Oklahoma Sooners kind of reminds you a bit of a linebacker, a bit of a safety? That's one cheetah position. The Oklahoma Sooners are trending in a big, big way now for five-star defender Jonah Williams out of Texas as well. Uh, First, it came down on Saturday. It was Texas insider Justin Wells for on three, putting in a prediction for the Sooners in favor of them landing Williams. And then on Sunday, Josh McQuistion of Sooner Scoop and on three backed that up. And then Landon Rousseau, Texas A&M insider, who we'll we'll talk we'll talk about the connection there here in a second and Sam Spiegelman 
on three's national recruiting analyst, all three of them put in predictions favoring the Sooners for Jonah Williams. Now, the Texas A&M angle here. He was supposed to go on a visit, apparently canceled that visit to Aggieland. Smart move on Jonah Williams' part. But I think that means the writing is on the wall here for Oklahoma. If you've got Texas and Texas A&M, two schools that were very much in the mix for Jonah Williams, putting in predictions, at least insiders of those schools, putting in predictions favoring the Sooners for a kid that, from everything I hear, is a Sooner fan, all signs seem to be pointing towards Norman. I'm just going to cut right to the chase here with Jonah Williams. This looks like somebody to me that's going to be making a lot of money in the National Football League someday. Uh, obviously, you don't get the recruiting ranking unless uh, of that variety, of that ilk, unless people feel similarly about that. But the way that Jonah Williams is just – reading quarterback's eyes. I mean, he's just waiting to go make a play. Now, granted, look, it's going to be a big-time step up in competition. I mean, here, if you flip on some of these highlights, it's as if he's not even stressed about the player he's covering. He's not even thinking about it. He's just thinking about, oh, how am I going to pick off this next pass? And, oh, by the way, he's going to do something with it once he picks off that pass. But he's got uh, the size about him, which would make him a special player. In uh, any defensive backfield, you talk about six foot three. That is a uh, unique size in a defensive backfield. He moves so well, John. He diagnoses things. He uh, not just reading the quarterback and, and going to pick off a pass. I mean, he is ready to diagnose, get downhill in a hurry, and, and go tackle somebody. So, look, uh, I think he's a big time talent. Uh, to me, I don't think there's any doubt he's going to be a five-star talent when it's all said and done. And if Oklahoma can land him, th- these are the this is the type of name that we've mentioned with P.J. Adabare and, and David Stone and Peyton Bowen. This is that type of player where you just keep stacking, and all of a sudden we look up and we say, oh, wow, Oklahoma's got a defense that has a, a bunch of NFL players on it. Yeah, you mentioned a guy that looks like he could play at the next level, the NFL level. I mean, I look at him and I think he could play running back, wide receiver, safety, linebacker, probably could play some tight end for just about any school in the country. He is that athletic and that just naturally gifted when he has the ball in his hands. You, you could see him on kick returns, punt returns. The dude just does everything and does it really, really well. You watch his huddle highlights and he looks like he could play college football right now just how dominant he is. And maybe it's a level of competition thing, but the traits stand out. You know, Josh talked about the play speed. I mean, he plays fast and you play fast when you have a really good understanding of what you're seeing. And he really does have an understanding of what he's seeing, both in zone coverage and in man coverage and in run defense. And I think, you know, you could see him as a safety. You could see him bulk up and become a weak side linebacker. But I think probably what's going to end up happening is he becomes one of Oklahoma's cheetahs in the future and maybe a guy that's able to be a three down cheetah, not somebody that you're having to rotate on and off the field because he's deficient in pass coverage or he's not big enough to hold up against the run. Well, Jonah Williams, he he proves that he's able to do all of it. And again, the zone coverage aspect of that, that's that's a hard thing to kind of master and have a feel for, but he has a really good feel for it. And like you talked about the patience to kind of sit there in the zone and be where he's supposed to be and, and just be right there where the, the ball's going to be and, and then make a play on the football and naturally catch the ball. 
and then do something with it after it. I mean, I, he must have had a half dozen returns between interceptions and kick returns for touchdowns in just his 2023 season. And that doesn't count all the plays he made as a wide receiver as well. So a very, very big, you know, big time, you know, move in Oklahoma's favor. Now, obviously, you got to get the commitment and then you got to get the signature. We're a long way from all that. But all of this has to be making you feel pretty good about where Oklahoma stands with a five-star kid that, again, everybody in the country wants this kid. 27 offers, and it's all of the big-time pros- you know, big programs that you're looking at. Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, Texas, Texas A&M, everybody, LSU, everybody wants this kid. And Oklahoma is in the driver's seat now to land the, land the commitment. Per on three, primary recruiter is Brandon Hall. And uh, this would be a massive recruiting win for uh, Brandon Hall. He, uh, interesting, two-sport guy, which a lot of these highly sought-after, very talented high school kids are that. But interesting because he's a football-baseball guy which again has been uh, a track record of success for Oklahoma. He's such a football baseball guy that if you look at his family lineage, his older brother, Nick was drafted in the second round of the 2012 MLB draft. So we're talking big time talent in, uh, in both football and baseball, but you know what? Again, Oklahoma has had success in that department. So, and I wonder if that isn't uh, a part of the allure of OU as well. I mean, it, it can't not be because you, you've seen Skip Johnson work with the football program really well to make it work for a guy like Kyler Murray. They've they've come and he's done it again with Brent Venables to help attract James Nesta and Taylor Tatum. I mean, there's got to be something to the cohesion between the football program and the baseball program that makes this a a fit for all parties and you got to imagine it's going to, it's going to continue to trickle that way for kids that want to have an opportunity to continue their careers in both football and baseball and shoot, maybe even basketball as Oklahoma received a prediction in favor of landing an, an outside linebacker and CJ Nixon from Oklahoma that also wants to play basketball. So there, there's a chance that two sport U doesn't just extend from the football, from the gridiron to the diamond, but from the gridiron to the hardwood or the hardwood to the diamond, like who knows where it all ends, but having cohesion like this within the athletic department is the only thing that is, is what paves the way for this. And you, you got to imagine that seeing how it's happened before seeing how, you know, James Nesta and Taylor Tatum had a very strong comfort level with committing to Oklahoma with a plan in place. And then, you know, I'm sure that plan has been discussed for, for uh, one Jonah Williams as well. There's gotta be a strong comfort level there to feel good about that direction. So I think, yeah, man, it's, it's gotta play a part. If you're wanting to play ball and play football, why not Oklahoma? Like who else is going to be able to do what Oklahoma can do for you to be able to continue to star in both sports? And if we're just talking football, which obviously in this instance we're not, but just hang with me for a moment. If we're just talking football again, I cycle back to the stacking, uh, you know, Legos building blocks here of 
putting consecutive classes together with this type of talent of a Jonah Williams. These are how national championships are won. And you, you obviously have to do it on both sides of the football and it can't just be in the defensive backfield or out on the perimeter at wide receiver. You need these types of players at offensive line, defensive tackle. We've seen Oklahoma land a couple at edge. And uh, obviously with David Stone, Oklahoma's morphing itself. If they get a commitment and a eventual signature from Jonah Williams, now they've done this in three consecutive classes. If we get to that point, John, and uh, that is a significant, significant development for Oklahoma. This, that conversation would have been unthinkable, which is crazy, but unthinkable for Oklahoma. Not, not, more than seven years ago or five years ago and certainly a decade ago, right? It was, well, why would you go play defense at the university of Oklahoma? And so now, even though I think all of us would like to see those results on field results, continue, they need to continue to get better and better and better. The, the recruiting trail, they're hook, line and sinker. They're buying in clearly to the vision and the, the track record, all of it, for Venable's past and where this thing is going and the folks that uh, obviously are alongside Brent Venables, Zach Alley and company. Yeah. They're doing everything right on the recruiting trail to get this defense back to an elite level. Now it's just got to get there. Now you got to develop, put it all together and, and go be elite defense. An interesting development occurred over the last few days. The SEC and the big 10 are starting to go to the table. What does that mean for college football and the future of the sport? We'll talk about it next here on Locked On Sooners. Well, well, well. Super Bowl 58, the week is here. Super Bowl 58 nearly upon us. And happy Super Bowl to you and yours who celebrate from FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book. If you're like us, you're ready to park it on the couch. And obviously, if you're Chiefs, Chiefs fan like me, you're very excited for Super Bowl 58. But probably if you're anything like John or I, you're excited to sit back, watch this game, get those favorite snacks, and just maybe play some super bets for Super Bowl 58. FanDuel is the spot to do just that. So many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. And oh, by the way, new customers that join today, you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on where you can make Every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate. Save money and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. College football is in such a weird state right now. Uh, I think a lot of people have an okay view of the transfer portal and of NIL, but with the lack of restraint or the lack of guardrails or the lack of um, cohesion, uh, from the NCAA and the member groups, there's just kind of this free for all wild, wild West going on in college football that makes everybody a little bit uncomfortable, both on the NIL side and on the transfer portal side. Um, 
Now, there are a lot of people out there. I don't want to speak for the, for everybody, but there are a lot of people out there that don't like NIL and they don't like the transfer portal. And you're welcome to, to hold those views um, because there are definitely some some aspects of those that are are making college football much more difficult and at times harder to enjoy. But given everything that's going on, there's not really a, a great sense of leadership coming from the NCAA. Well, it seems like in, ante- in anticipation of everything that's going on, the Big Ten commissioner, Tony Petiti, SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, have come together and based on a, a long relationship that they've been developing, have come together and decided that their conferences will form an advisory group made up of the conference commissioners, uh, chancellors from the university, member universities, and athletic directors to help kind of figure out where college football is heading and how better to serve either their, just their member institutions or college football as a whole. I tend to be, I think, more in the Dennis Dodd camp of this that, uh, you know, we've been talking and talking and talking about are we going to wind up with this AFC, NFC, all of a sudden there's a Super Bowl uh, between the SEC and Big Ten? And I don't know that this necessarily indicates that, but I do think it indicates that another portion of that conversation, which many had sort of tossed around over the last year or a couple of years, is are we tiptoeing toward the SEC, the Big Ten, really just major college athletics breaking away from the NCAA? And though Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti and really anybody that's a part of this new whatever you want to call it between the SEC and Big Ten have uh, remained steadfast that they're not breaking away, that's not what this is, John, this is the first step of the SEC and Big Ten breaking away from the NCAA. They're going to say all the right things because it's like realignment. You don't say, hey, I'm poaching Oklahoma and Texas when you're poaching Oklahoma and Texas. You don't say, hey, I'm poaching USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington when you're poaching Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA. The the SEC and the Big Ten are getting together. It's not going to be long, I don't think, before they break away from the NCAA and uh, in the meantime, if you want to believe that that's not what's happening, at the very least, there's some legitimate issues that are up for debate. We're also, I think, moving close to this to where you're going to wind up with some form of a, a revenue share, whatever that looks like from the television deal uh, in the SEC to the Big Ten to these athletes, some acceptable athlete compensation model is going to get agreed upon, which to me may effectively end name image likeness. It'll take that out where you don't have that wild, wild west of this. I think that's a big part of this conversation, but it's so interesting what's happening here because did you catch the other report too that basically Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti have also come out and said, yeah, we don't know if we're committed to the college football playoff either. So they want the college football playoff but the idea that this is just magically going to get put together, this 12-team model, and we're all, uh, we're all in for the foreseeable future, that's not totally done just yet either. Because I think uh, both Sankey and Petiti, they want this 12-team model, if that's what it winds up being, 
they don't want a situation where it's only three SEC teams get in or three Big Ten teams get in or we have to have uh, this automatic bid to XYZ conference. I think that they want some assurances that best uh, position the SEC and Big Ten. And again, if they don't get the answers that they want there, John, I think that you could see the SEC and Big Ten break away and sort of take their ball and do their own thing. I mean, at this point, nothing would surprise me because of the just ever-changing nature and landscape of college football. It's just constantly evolving. Some might say eroding uh, the what college football was 30 years ago. In our lifetime, Josh, there was no BCS championship game. There was no playoff discussion. It was still very much a regional league-led sport. And you'd have these big non-conference matchups, these big bowl games that would end up deciding your national champion. It was a very, very different time. A lot's changed, uh, whether it's the antitrust cases that have gone to the Supreme Court and ruled the NCAA couldn't keep people from earning name, image, and likeness, or it's the the transfer portal that's opened up, or it's the, the movement of coaches or the realignment. All of it, man, it looks completely different than what it looked like when we were kids in college. I mean, it's all a totally different sport. So it would not surprise me one bit if this is the first step in a Big Ten SEC football alliance. That's not the term that they want to use. And I know the alliance is kind of a dirty word from a couple of years back when the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC attempted to have an alliance and it all fell apart. This one definitely has stronger legs and a much stronger foundation because they're the two biggest revenue earners in college football. The Big 12 can't touch them. The ACC certainly can't touch them. And so whatever they want to do, and in a story from Ross Dellinger over at Yahoo, Yahoo Sports, the commissioners kind of were part of the big, grander NCAA you know, meetings a few weeks back. And they left from that with everybody kind of telling them, hey, when are you going to tell us what you guys want to do with the sport? If that doesn't tell you the power that Petiti and Sankey have right now, it's crazy. I mean, they're the kings of college football. And what this advisory group leads them to, whether it's a breakaway, whether it's stronger guardrails or a stronger agreement uh, on how the transfer portal and NIL works, that's where we're headed. Who knows where this thing lands? But I just want to read one quote from Greg Sankey before we get out of here. He says, from our perspective, we have a lot that is linked to the NCAA. We want to see a healthy national organization. I think that's very much a need. However, pressures are mounting. We're going to have conversations about what might a path forward mean for college sports. And Petiti said, you can see the pace that others are getting involved in college athletics is increasing. So the pace of solutions to the problems being identified has to increase as well. So I do feel they feel like they have a mandate to create change. And if anybody's going to accomplish said change, it's the two most powerful people in college football right now, Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey. And I can't wait to see where this lands because again, 
college football as we know it, it's pretty much done. It's been slowly fading away over the last 20 years. But where we're at in 2024 is going to look very different in 2034. And the idea of amateur athletics, if that's your hope for college football, I hate to be the one to break it to you. But that's probably not on the table anymore. No, uh, I mean, not comprehensively, at least, right? I mean, if this is mostly football, men's and women's basketball, softball, you know, I, I don't know, right? I don't have the answers to all of that, but in some form or fashion, and maybe it's all of it, maybe it's all of it, but there's just different percentage splits financially. But yeah, I mean, basically the amateurism is gone and, and it's already essentially gone, but it'll be really, really gone once we get a little bit further down the road. But the important thing and the significant thing here for Oklahoma is bravo round of applause. You had the athletic director sitting in office, right? Sitting in the chair in Joe Castiglione. You had the president, uh, you know, by his side or, uh, leading with him in President Joseph Harris that understood we we have to take Oklahoma to the SEC now or else we're gonna get we're gonna risk getting left behind and again as more dominoes as the years and months or days weeks months years go by they're looking smarter and smarter John it, it it's good to have the Godfather sitting at your table and making your decisions for you so Joe Joe C round of applause to you. Uh, thank you. If there's ever a favor that you need, just let us know here on Locked On Sooners. We'll be happy to to take out uh, uh, <laughs> take out that favor for you. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Follow the show at Locked On Sooners. Josh at Josh on Re- myself at John Nine Williams. But until next time, when hopefully my voice is more returned, he's Josh. I'm John Boomer Sooner. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait, find locked on college basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.